This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. listeners how you doing my name's omar welcome to another edition of that mill podcast today we have a special edition bonus podcast something we didn't think we'd bring to you this week however thanks to the club mill releasing their figures this week regarding their profit and loss of being a plc company they advertised every information stuff for us to kind of get ourselves into something myself i've not really looked into too much in the past however today we sit down with kira Maguire from the price of football to talk all things on this 46 page spreadsheet slash document yeah, I mean, good insight. I mean, if you're looking to understand more in regards to obviously the profit and loss and kind of see why 
the figures are what they are, so to speak, this is the show for you. Kieran goes into great detail for us, which we're very grateful for. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out Kieran Maguire on The Price of Football. They've got a podcast twice a week. His Twitter handle's at Kieran Maguire. And be sure to just tune in and listen. It was a great show tonight and I uh, really enjoyed it. So if, if you want to see what Kieran's all about, be sure to check the show notes and check his Twitter handle. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Hello, this is Darren Ward and you're listening to Into the Lion's Den. As we said, we are joined by Kieran Maguire from uh, the Price of Football podcast. Uh, welcome to the show and thank you very much for joining us at such late notice. It was yesterday afternoon you agreed to join us today, so much appreciated for that one. You, you're welcome. Uh, you, you gave me the heads up on the numbers and, and anything which sends me towards a spreadsheet makes me happy, especially this <laughs> time of year. I've got nothing else to do, but it's like the rest of the country. So... Millwall Football, um, hold, Millwall Holdings PLC um, released their accounts for the year ending 30th of June. So let's get into it. Um, hopefully you'll be able to explain it in layman terms. So m- most of our fan base will be able to explain it. Um, where do you want to start then? Well, I, I guess sort of the headline figures is that the, the losses are doubled. The club's losing 200 grand a week. Uh, that's on the back of... The, the money coming in, going down, and uh, costs going up, mainly wages. Um, and you know, if, if you if you're trying to build a successful club to get a chance of getting into the playoffs, then it's going to cost you money to invest in the squad. The, the, the club has done that. The wage bill isn't huge by championship standards, but I think it's a bit more competitive to to where it was. You know, the, the wage bill has doubled since 2017, so that gives you some sort of context. Um, are those losses sustainable in, in a long run? Well, if, if you're losing money as a football club, um, you've got two choices. You can sell players or, if you're lucky, you've got an owner who will dip his hand in the pocket. Uh, in, in 2019, Millwall lost just over five and a half mil, but you sold... Who was that lad? Was it sold? You, you sold George to Savile, Borough? The, to Middlesbrough, yeah. George Savile. Yeah. George Savile. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the, the, the profits... Yeah, the money from the Savile sale, that covered the losses this year. No major player sales. So, uh, you know, the, the owners come in and has, has lent the club, you know, millions to uh, to keep it going. What are those, those, those loans that come in from, obviously, JB's company? Um, to, to layman's looking at them, they look like um, high interest loans. But in fact, looking at it, and obviously, you know, I know JB quite personal, they don't seem to actually be taken back out as money. Well, there, there, there's different ways that he's putting money into the club. First of all, there's loans, which in theory, 12% interest, but he's not he's not physically taking the interest. So what he's doing, he, the interest is being added to, to what he's lent. The other way he's putting money into the club is, is in the form of shares. And, and the thing about you put money into shares is that you, you don't take any money out until you, you sell the business. So, uh, yeah, about eight million was put in by, by JB, and yeah, that's that that's money lost un, unless he sells the club. That's the way to think of it. It's it's just keeping the club afloat. Some of the key figures, obviously, what um, what stick out to me, what I can understand to a degree, is obviously. £760,000 worth of furlough uh, money claimed or money paid 80%, um, which 
I th- I thought sounded a bit high with 2.8 million in wages, but actually where just off recording, we were working out doing, you know, back of the paper sort of fag box mathematics. It's, it doesn't actually seem that much to the staff. What are there really seems reasonable. Yeah. And remember the furloughs limited to, to that first two and a half grand. So it, it could be that you've got Academy players. You might have some of the physios who are, who aren't involved with the first team squad, uh, a lot of the backroom staff as well. What will have, what will have happened at Millwall is that, unless you had to be working all the time, they would have put you on furlough. So there was that period of time when when matches weren't taking place. So all the back office staff, they would have been put on furlough during that period of time. And, and then it will be the minimum number of staff left back let back in once, once football resumed. Um, and remember, football didn't start until, yeah, was it June, July? So, you know, it would have, it would have been kept to, 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 kept really just sort of, the clubs in hibernation. So taking advantage of the furlough scheme, as many clubs have done so. And, and I think Millwall are right to do that because you, know, you want the Millwall to be there in 12 months' time, like everybody else does with their clubs. Yeah, and we're not owned by a billion, you know, multi billionaire. Uh, we have got a, a genuine uh, nice bloke in JB there, but obviously his pockets are aren't, you know, aren't untouchable, are they? They, you know, he can't put in you know, hundreds and hundreds of million. He is he, obviously being controlled by his company as well. Um, we mentioned Savile earlier on. I couldn't see unless I'm blind, but there didn't seem to be any um, Borough's next part of the instalment on Savile. I thought that was over a couple of years. Um, that That is there. If you go to... Um, if you go to page 25, they got, they're owed two and a half mil. Yeah. So, so at the end of the end of June 2020, um, there was still two and a half mil to come in um, from player sales. Now, whether that's all Savile, I'd imagine most of it will be that way. Um, so it looks as if you know, it looks as if Borough would have played a, a fair amount up front. Nor- normally, you're trying to get half the money up front and you know the rest over a two or three years. Um, so, so in in terms of the Savile deal. According to the account, I, I, I saw the figure quoted as eight million, but I think that eight million in probably included add-ons. Yeah, no, I the think fig- it was the figures in the account when he was sold in twenty nineteen was a, was around about five and a half at the time. So yeah. you know, you're you're the experts here. You're 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 that much closer to the club. Um, those those are the figures which I sort of managed to drag out from the uh, from sort of the the arse end of the accounts. So obviously that's that was covered. Um, in the transfer fees, which was obviously 2-4. Um, what was our transfer spend and our transfer income for last year? Well, the, the transfer spend was 2.8 mil. Now, again, I, I don't know who. The transfer sales was, was only 80 grand. Right. So, you know, presumably, I don't know whether some, some you know, a couple of players went to League One, League Two, non-league. Um, yeah, they've either been released on freeze or... Or, you know, it, it could have been that there was a bit of extra money coming in, an add-on that they weren't expecting, and then they thrown into this year's accounts because it, it came in unexpectedly. The only other player, I mean, I know Savile, obviously, a couple of years, the only other player I've, I can remember us getting rid of was the youngster, where there was a bit of a bidding war between um, Liverpool or Chelsea even and Man City. But he was uh, a young kid, and we managed to sell him before... 
He went to Man City. Yeah. And I 14 think that years was, old or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was some money tied up in there, but that probably isn't going to, with sell-ons, which probably isn't going to come in until he hits. Yeah, that will that, probably playing. be linked to EPPP, the Elite Player Performance Plan. And that's yep. that's all based on a formula. So that, yeah, th- that was the, the EFL selling its soul to the Premier League. Because if you've got a good kid... And the Premier League can now pick them up at you know 13, 14, 15, and they they pay you peanuts. Okay, you mean if if they ever sell the player on, you'll get a bit more money, but you don't tend to get if the player is good uh, for a club like Millwall, it, 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 you you're, you tend to be the losers. Um, and in what what the Premier League do is that they say they give all of the the clubs in the uh, in the Championship around about four and a half mil a year for what they call solidarity payments. And, and that's sort of their way of covering the, these uh, factory farming of, of young talent from, from the EFL clubs. Um, you see, I think this is something I'm probably not going to say it right. I have a history on these shows of not saying words correct anyway, as, as our listeners know, but is it a, a mortalization? Um, yeah. And it's got, yeah. A, it's got a player registrations, 2.8, 2.18 million. What does what does that mean? Do we do we own the registrations on players what leave until they're paid in full? Are they? Is that how that works? Or the, the, the way that it works is if you, if you go and su- if you sign a player for a million quid on a four year contract, in, instead of showing a cost of a mil in in your expenses for that year, they you say well if it's a million over four years, we're going to spread it. Therefore, it's going to be a quarter of a million a year. So the amortization is all of the players that you've bought spread over the life of their contracts. Um, so, so looking at the, the Millwall squad, yeah, the, the squad cost here, the, the squad cost in total around about seven million. They're probably on three-year contracts. So yeah, that's about you know about two and a half million a year. So that's how you do that cost. So it's just, it's, it's just it's just the accountants playing silly buggers with the numbers. Right, I've got you. I've got you. And can you explain to someone who is a bit of a fucking layman on this one? But um, page twenty-four, there just seems to be dates and and big numbers. Yeah. Okay. So, so page page twenty-four is your uh, you know player registrations. That that's the transfer fees paid. So at the start of the year, Millwall. Uh, at the start of 2019, the, the squad had cost just short of five mil. Right. And then during the during the season, remember we said that, that yeah, the transfer spend was 2.8. And then some of the players were sold who had originally cost Millwall just over 560 grand. So it's this is this is this is what we had at the start of the year, this is what we've bought, and this is the the cost to us of the players that we've sold. The rest of it. I wouldn't get bogged down in because it, it doesn't bear any resemblance yeah. to what the players are worth because yeah. accountants can't do that. They're, they're clueless. Yeah, they, they, but they just like ticking boxes. Um, and it doesn't include the value of players who have come through the academy or who you've signed on Bosman's or cheap deals from elsewhere who've turned out to be really good players. So it, it's just showing the total investment uh, as far as the cost to the club. So by the end of 2020, 
the Millwall squad had cost the club just over seven million quid. Well, I've got you. I understand that. The other thing we've got me is um, purchase a player registrations, page 16. Yep. What's what registration are we buying the players' registrations we've signed, or are they just are they younger players what we're just keeping hold of, or how does that work? Right. The the, the player registrations that that's that that's the cash element of the transfer fees in the year. So if we take a look at that, that says that, that Millwall, it's, it's cost them in cash £3.7 million. Now, that will be old instalments on players who you might have signed a couple of years ago. So you might you might still be playing for, you know, for Scalac, for example, who is, is, I presume he's been toilet for you. Yeah, yeah. Is he toilet for you, was he? Uh, he was really good for Brighton, weren't he? The year you guys went well, up, pretty sure. He, he, he scored an absolute worldly goal, and that was about it. Um, <laughs> and, and the rest of the time, he was sort of okay. Um, so, you know, it, it could be that you've signed him for a million from Brighton, and, uh, you know, the, the agreement was you're going to pay a quarter of a million a year for four years. So, so what that, that figure is on page 16, that's the amount of cash that you have spent signing players in the year as opposed to the cost. So some, cause you're signing players on credit a lot of the time. So the figure you see on page 24 is, is, a, is a bit like if you buy a car on credit, that's, that's the value you buy a car on credit for 20 grand. That's what you show on page 24. And then on page 16, this is the amount of cash that's gone out. So that will include some of the players you've, you've actually bought in previous years, but you've not paid up the full amount yet. So, for instance, if we, we brought Bradshaw for one point something million, wouldn't it, Omar? Yeah, uh, it would have been on the point. So that would, in theory, we might have only paid half a million pound in cash. The rest of it could have been on add-ons and appearance fees and everything else because, obviously, the player probably wants appearance fees and, and other add-ons because it means that they don't get taxed as heavy in, in the initial lump. I take it players get taxed if they get a... Um, a signing on fee and stuff, do they? Yeah, yeah, that gets added to their uh, overall pay packet, so that will go on their, you know, their their P sixty at the end of the year. Yeah, Un- unless they put it through as image rights and they got some dodgy accountant who will stick it through the Island Man or British Virgin Islands or somewhere like that, which we don't believe Millwall does. I, I sincerely um, hope not. No, we 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 have someone who can find Island Man accounts when we had the Lewisham battle with AMS. So, um, yeah, hopefully right. not there. <laughs> yeah. um, so we've done the transfer fee. The other point, what I saw on there, um, and I don't know what page it's on now, um, but it was in the light of the potential impact of COVID-19, it yeah. basically says that the, the club um, would require the club to secure additional funding, which is not yet guaranteed. The directors have identified a material uncertainty that may cast doubt significant doubt over the club's ability to continue as a going concern for the foreseeable future. What does that mean? Well, well that means that is that because they of think that they think that the owner is going to stick his hand in his pocket, but they, that, that money is not yet guaranteed. So the problem that Millwall have got has of all clubs, football clubs get their money from three spaces that they get it from the fans coming through the turnstiles. So as far as, as far as Millwall are concerned, you know, in, in a good year in the championship, you're normally getting between five and a half and six million pounds coming in through season ticket sales, through, you know, sending the pies and, 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 the, and the stuff on, on a match day basis. 
So that money's now isn't isn't going to be made realistically, you know, for this season. I think we all know that if, even if we do get back, it's it's going to be peanuts compared to what you'd normally regularly expect. So that shortfall, where's that going to come from? The directors think that the owner is going to plug that gap. And in all probability, he's going to do so because it's not in his interest to actually walk away because otherwise he loses everything. Um, so they're saying that we expect JB to, to, to plug the gap. If he doesn't, we've got a problem. It's just like all clubs. Yeah, they're, they're reliant upon their owners. They're reliant upon you know, the Premier League deal being signed off where the Premier League's going to lend money and things of that nature. So that's what they're hoping to do. If that goes, I think the technical term is tits up, is what we call it in the world of finance, um, then we've got a problem. So it's, you know, it's just like, you know, if, if, you're, if, if we lose our jobs, how are we going to pay the mortgage? So we think we're going to be all right. If we lose the job, don't get furloughed, don't get a redundancy payment, we've got problems. It's exactly the same for a football club. So that's, that's what the auditors say. So we think we're all right. If the worst happens, you know, given that we're in the COVID world, none of us know when football is actually going to return before a, a proper set of season ticket holders at, at the ground. You know, we've got, we've got this new variant that's just appeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, you know, and and I, I, live, I live right in the middle of it. I live in Kent, so... Um, right, yeah, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, the world's largest car park at the moment, so yeah, um, thanks, thanks to France. Um yeah, no, we don't know. I mean, don't you know? It's a bit of a touchy subject. Um, season ticket holders not being able to go. Omar was Group B, and unfortunately, didn't get to see the first two games. Fans are allowed in, but uh, when it was his game, uh, unfortunately, government closed it down, and Omar didn't get to see live football. He loves rubbing it in my face. I tell you that much. Um, my question to you, sorry, Kieran, is so when you look at so like our loss of over ten million, it, it's quite yeah. mi- it's, it's quite minimal compared to a lot of clubs in the championship, isn't it? It's, it's quite it's it's a bit almost not scary but worrying for the clubs, especially at the, the top end of that scale you've got there. Yeah, so, so I, I worked out the sort of the day to day losses for all the clubs in the in the championship. Um, everybody's losing money hand over fist. So the average losses are around about half a million pounds a week. Um, and that's pre-COVID. So it could, could it be even worse than that in a COVID year? Um, championships, uh, it, it's, it's a really dumb way to, to run a business, but people do it because it's, it's a bit like being in the casino and just putting going all in on red or black or number 36 um if, if you take a look at the problem for Millwall last season for every hundred pounds that, that came through the door they immediately spent 115 pounds on wages so they've made a loss before they've mowed the grass before they've turned on the electric for the for the floodlights before before the physios but more you know paid for his liniment and god knows what else they use and yeah before you pay for the cones for the training sessions the club has already lost money and that is the case in nearly all clubs in the championship because so many of them are gambling on trying to get through the playoffs or get direct promotion to the premier league where they think the uh it, it's all paved with gold but it isn't so that's my so someone i don't really often look into these figures myself but 115% of that revenue is being spent on wages as you put in a graph. How does that compare, would you say, to the rest of the championship? Is that 
is that quite minimal or is that similar across the board or is there more clubs spending, I don't know, 200% of their revenue on wages or how does it, it compare to the rest of the league? It, it, it's, it's probably about midway. I mean, the average is 100 and what, well, the average was 107 in 2019. And again, that's pre-COVID. So I, I'd expect it to be around about average uh, for last season. Those clubs that have uh, come down from the Premier League, who've got parachute payments, theirs tends to be a bit lower because they got the benefit of parachute payments. But if you take a look at yeah, Reading, £226 in wages for every £100 of money coming through the door. Yeah, And, and, and Reading were crap last season. So th there's, there's no guarantee that spending money will work. But as, as a division, it, it's a complete hat stand. You know, it, it's not... It's not run on business lines, which which is fine as far as I'm concerned. You know, we don't go for football. We don't go for the football business. We go to go and see our teams to support. We want to see them win. We want to see them get promoted. Getting promoted from the championship is ridiculously expensive. So is it, with being a football owner, what's the draw with being a football owner when potentially you're going to be spending so much money? Um, it's a bit like owning a racehorse or owning a yacht or owning a helicopter. If, if you're rich, then you, you like these. It, it's, it's a trophy asset. And, and, it, and it's like owning one of those. If, if you can get your team into the Premier League, then potentially you could sell it. I mean, it looks like Burnley are about to be sold for 200 million. So that their owners will actually make money. If you don't get promoted then it's it, it's it's a very very expensive hobby yeah it, it's more exciting than stamp collecting but it's more expensive than stamp collecting yeah 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 no I, I understand that completely we are very lucky to have someone of the like of jb and with looking at our figures what came out the other day and your experience your knowledge obviously within these um I don't really have any fear that JB, uh, I, I, I definitely don't think JB's going anywhere. I think the club um, has got some, you know, good um, financial expertise there now going in the right direction. But JB can't obviously put money in all the time currently, but are there terms with the sponsors? Because obviously I can't see sponsors putting in all the money in one hit. So, you know, we had a, a secure, you know, largest deal we've ever done with Husky Chocolate at the beginning of the last year or the year before. Last year, I think it was. But they're not going to have put the whole chunk in in one hit, are they? They're going to be in instalments. And I suppose that's the same across the board. Um, and I wonder how much that's going to hit clubs now. Is there a way that clubs can force that in? No, no, it, that will be based on the contract between Millwall and Husky. So it will be, you know, let's say the deal is half a million a year. And that might be paid in, you know, three or four instalments over the course of the year. Um, if Husky have spare cash, because you think about the nature of their industry, you know, one of the you know, food, that, well, you know, what we're we all drinking, what we're we doing these days, we're just eating and drinking. So, you know, the, gross, the grocery market, the food, the food market is actually being quite buoyant following COVID. So they might say, we know you've got a few problems, you know, find, you know, things up. Cash flow isn't great at Millwall. What we can do is we can accelerate some of the money. We won't, we're not going to give you any more 
because you're not playing in front of a crowd. If, if they could be arsy and say, you know, you're not playing in front of anybody, we're not going to pay you anything. But, you know, presumably Millwall have got a fairly decent following from iFollow. Um, yeah, they're still getting TV exposure. The, you know, the sponsors will say, well, we, we want to be good guys about this as well. We want a long-term relationship with the club. And on that basis, you know, they, they probably say, we'll, we'll carry on with the payments. We might be able to accelerate them, but that will help you in the short term. To a certain extent, it's kicking the problems down the road because if you accelerate a payment, it means you're not going to get it in six months' time. So, yeah, we, we don't know any of the details at present, but that's the type of thing that is happening. The vast majority of clubs in the championship are reliant upon the club owner to dip their hand into the pocket. And they do it because they love the club. They do that because they want to get promoted or they, you know, they, they, they want to gamble on getting promoted. And they like the idea of in 12 months time turning around to some of their business associates and says, uh, oh, we've got Chelsea, we've got West Ham, we've got Liverpool, we've got Manchester United coming down. Fancy coming in the director's box that day and perhaps we'll have a bit of a bit of a chat, have a bit of a business deal, things like that. So yeah, th- there are benefits in, in having a club. When you get to the Premier League, everything changes. Yeah, everything. Yeah. All, all deals be- become null and void in effect. You know, if Husky Chocolate wants to sponsor front of Millwall shirts in the Premier League, the the, the best they can hope for, the, the, the lowest I've seen is, say, a, a million and a half a year um, for front of shirt sponsorship. So they might therefore want to go for, you know, sleeve patches or things of that nature. Um, but the, the nut there and from the uh, the perimeter advertising, that all changes. You, you, you can charge. I was talking to a, to a commercial director. He said they couldn't believe it. But for a 30-second ad, it, we're now charging 12 times as much as we were last season, simply from going up to the Premier League, even when we're playing Burnley or West Brom at home. Because those matches, it's, it's not the local advertisers. It's the fact that the Premier League is being broadcast in China, in Nigeria, in Australia, in the US. And the advertisers from there, they're desperate. You know, it's, it's great profile for them. So, so that, that, that's why uh, owners are willing to do it. It's, it's because they are gamblers or they, they love the club. Do you think also that more clubs, possibly next year, will possibly not publish their reports um, as such? Because I know some don't now, um, and I don't know what the legalities are, whether or not they have to or not, purely because of potential damage it could do to future sponsorship deals. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. Our apologies for even trying. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Um, well, D- Derby and Sheffield Wednesday are both presently breaking the law. So they've refused. They, they're, not, not, uh, they're not only showing the 2020 figures. They've not yet published their 29 accounts. So that they've chosen to break the law. Um, the law has got better things to do with its time than, than chase you know, football clubs are on the naughty step. So they'll just get a fine. It's a bit, it's a bit like submitting your tax return late. Um, 
And because football clubs don't tend to pay tax because they all lose money, HMRC aren't particularly asked about chasing them for their account. As long as you're paying your PAYE roughly on the due date, they'll, 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 they're, not, they're not too asked either. Um, yeah, I'd expect to see the numbers come out late for many clubs. I mean, the, the advantage of Millwall is that Millwall is a PLC and PLC companies have to publish their results within six months of the year end. So yeah, that's what we're doing here at the end of December for a 30th of June year end. Okay, that's just the missus. How, how did the quiz go? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and the, the, the non-PLC companies, they, they, they're allowed 12 months because uh, Rishi Sunak, the chancellor, He's extended. He's, he's just said, I'm, I'm not asked about anything. I'm just trying to make sure that, that companies are surviving. We're not interested in accounts. So they will be coming out later uh, for clubs for the next year or two, which, which which I think is is wrong because who really owns football clubs? It, it's not it's not these billionaires. It's us. Yeah. And, and we deserve as the people, you know, when it comes up to uh, season ticket renewal time in, in March or April, who, who, who are the mugs that are always putting their hands in their pocket straight away? We've got no idea what we're going to see next season. So I've, I've always argued that we as fans, and I know the Football Supporters Association, they've, got, they've, they've, they've tried to lobby for this as well, that clubs should put the, put the numbers out. I know 99% of people don't give a toss about them, but at least if some people are keeping an eye on things, it, it does make the clubs keep in check a bit. No, I, 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 I agree. I mean, obviously, I did look at our, our tax bills if, if we didn't lose money were quite eye-watering, wouldn't they, within our reports? Yeah, but, you know, you, you lost £10 million this year. I know you broke even on, on the Savile deal, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at going back to 2013, 6, 11, 12, 7, 6, 4... You broke even last year, you lost 11. You're not going to be paying tax on those profits for a long, long time because the way that it works is that if you've made £50 million worth of losses in the last five years, it's not until you've made £50 million worth of profit this year and future years that you start to pay tax. Just just on that tax thing, because obviously when Mill had the... And I just wanted to clarify it while you were there, actually. During the Regem fight and everything else, there was a few... Um, councillors and some few people on the opposition what kept throwing the shit sticker at JB going you know you're registered in Dalloway it's a it's an offshore um, tax haven exile which it is and it's where all the businesses in America seem to be registered because of the way their tax system and benefits work Um, but just because they don't take pay tax on the operating profit of the club because it's not making money doesn't mean that they're not paying tax and national insurance on all their staff, which are going to be PAYE, even the players are PAYE, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So employment taxes, VAT, that's still played over here. Yeah. Um, and, and Millwall Holdings PLC, it's still responsible because it's because it's based here in the UK. Um, it's if it did make if it did start to make profits, then those profits would have to be paid to the UK government. So. Yeah. Those politicians were just stirring it. 
Um, you can say talking out their ass. I, I don't mind saying they're talking out their ass, Mister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, 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 I Paul and all that. No. You can be as rude as you want. You can say oh, okay. every word in the world. You can even say cunt on this show. So you can say right. whatever you want. Um, so yeah, you're, you're not a problem there, cool, Kieran. Um, so so yeah, I think Omar's probably got a couple of other questions. Um, I've got one one question before Omar comes in, um, and I didn't make much sense of it, and I can't find it off the top of my head now but it was talking about that all the companies have been put together or is that they're still running separate you still got Millwall Calf Athletic Millwall Holdings Millwall um, Developable Millwall Property and they're all run separately or are they all being amalgamated now they, 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 they all run separately but what you've got is Millwall Holdings is yeah. the umbrella company so yeah. it's sort of the mothership and all of the numbers from the individual companies are added together and, and that's what you're seeing with Millwall Holdings. So, you know, the stadium company, those, those numbers are included in the football club and the academy. And if you've got a separate club for commercial. So all of those are, are thrown together into what we focus on in terms of Millwall Holdings. So that's, so, that's everything. Yeah, no, I understand that. So um, I think Omar's got, you got another question? Yeah, go well, on. A couple. I mean, just uh, kind of through and reading through like your tweets from yesterday. I mean, with the broadcast income, is it because it's so varying based on how many games you get chosen for then? Because obviously it, it seems to like from year to year slightly go up and down. Like last year was 10 million, this year's 9.4 million. Would that just be based on how many games you've actually chosen for for the TV? Or Yeah, that, I, I, I can't really make a lot of sense of those numbers that they, they look they look high to me if i'm honest mm-hmm. um you do get extra money i mean in in 2019 it was 2018 that you had a decent cup run 2019 20 so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused as, as to why those numbers are as high as they are if, if if truth be told um because most clubs in the in the championship are getting in the region of seven to seven and a half. So uh, unless Millwall have got some deal overseas or whether the, what they're doing is the, you know, the, the I follow money is they've, they've lobbed into broadcasting and everybody else is sticking in commercial. I, I, I don't know what, why it's a bit high. And I, I guess on the rest of that graph where you've shown it, I mean, is, is that where the parachute payments come into play? And when you've got the other Premier League clubs or previous Premier League clubs at the bottom, is that where the parachute payments will sit for yeah. them clubs? Yeah. Yeah, I see. So, so because it's because that money ultimately comes from the Premier League's TV deal with Sky right. and BT. That's why it's included in their broadcast income. So, you know, it, it's it makes it makes a mockery. It, it it does certainly distort things. I know it it stops those mm-hmm. clubs going bust. Um, but parachute payments, they're, they're they're both good and bad. You know, they they do stop the clubs going bust. But having having clubs, you know, earning forty odd million where clubs in the championship who've been there for a few years, the likes of Derby and Wednesday and Forest and Millwall and so on, they're on they're on around about seven in total. And that works out to be, I think the parish payments at 60 million over three years, is it roughly? Or is it changed no, again? No, it's, it's it's more than that. It's uh it's 43 in year one, 34 in year two, and then 14. So you know it's uh, it's, it's the yeah. thick end of 90 million pounds. Now that will go down a bit because They've had to give rebates to the broadcasters, uh, but it's still well worth having. Mm. I mean, I don't have many more questions to be honest with you, Mickey, but yeah, that's, it's just crazy in regards to the parachute payments. I, I understand why they brought it in in the first place, but at the same time, like you said, the, the disparity between the two is it's just it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I understand why we have to have them. I think they're too high. 
Um, I'd probably cut them down to two years rather than three. It used to be four. But there's parachute payments in the Scottish League and they're, and they're small. There's parachute payments between the Championship and League One. There's parachute payments between League Two and the National League. So it, it does exist. There's even parachute payments in UEFA. They just call it something Ponzi uh, instead to confuse us. I suppose really with the parachute payments is that, you know, you sort of need them. Um, when we had, I can't think of the name of the player now, Sunderland, who was on 68 grand a week when they come down from yeah, the Prem. Yeah, Jack, Jack Rockwell. Yeah, that's it. And then obviously they went down into League One and he was still there until they managed to get rid of him. Um, I suppose really what you've got to do is is be a bit clever when you come, you know, if you are looking to come down. That's hence why something what we were talking about the other day with um, player contracts with... Uh, relegation clauses in where they take big drops, you know, like fifty percent wage cuts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for for that. Yeah. I suppose it's how clever yeah. you are. Uh, 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 I, mean, I, I was talking to a uh, a guy from a Premier League club. Uh, it was in the Premier League not not so long ago, and he said the problem is is that you've got Southampton, Brighton, Palace, uh, you know, Bournemouth, Newcastle. You've got clubs like that. They're all chasing after the same players. And what will happen is you offer, you know, the average wage in, in the Premier League, 40, 45 grand a week. So you offer you offer an, uh, an overseas player, you say, or well, a decent player in the championship, you say, well, we'll pay you 40 grand a week. And if we go down, 50% relegation clause. And it's in January and the club's already in the relegation zone. Well, he's not going to, he's to turn around and tell you to fuck off. Yeah. So... So therefore they say, okay, we won't do it with a relegation clause because if you score 10 goals in, in, in the second half of the season, we stay up and we make £100 million. Pounds. But if they do go down, you've got a problem. So be the, you know, think about the players that, you know, you mentioned Jack Rodwell with Jamie O'Hara, who was in yeah. Wolves in League One, exactly the same problem, training with the kids. Nobody wanted to sign him because, or rather people were willing to sign him, but he wasn't willing to go because he was on the 40 grand a week. Uh, do you remember Birmingham when they had that, was it Ziggich? Ziggich, right. Yeah, ago. I was yeah, that. yeah. He, he was on 50, 60 grand a week at Birmingham, signed a four-year contract. They went down um, and, and he just, you know, I remember him in the championship. He, he just, it was just somebody to laugh at. But I think with the parachute payments, it's just, it, for my opinion anyway, it's like, it's, just, it's like a safety net that's there for these clubs, yeah. isn't it? Like they know it's there. So then they might just push the barrier that little bit more and try and tempt fate a little bit. Whereas if it was looked at as an emergency fund instead, then it would obviously serve its purpose, I suppose, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, th I think they should have tighter rules that you can only use it on wages, but you know, I've, I've managed to sort of do a bit of nosing around top, top paid player in the championship this year is on five and a half million quid. Yeah. <laughs> now that's yeah, that's that's a yes, yeah, that's a third or just up, just under a bit, or between a third and a quarter of Millwall's total wage work going on one player. Just over a hundred grand a week, yeah. isn't that roughly? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So wow, I mean, you know, it, it, it's crazy money, and and this was a player who the club wanted to keep, and therefore they said no relegation clause. That he it was he was being linked with a much bigger club, signed the deal, and and yeah, if I was that player, I'd I'd be. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be kissing my agent's ring because yeah. he's he sorted me out money. Yeah, and I suppose really the parachute payments come into teams like Bournemouth, who've got a small stadium, who are in the Premiership, got a small stadium, so they're never really going to make the revenue um, when they drop down anyway. Yeah. Yet, obviously, that parachute payment could potentially be the lifeline to get them straight back up, um, back into the into the land of 
you know, gold and, and treasures. Yeah, yeah, entirely. And, and I, I, I think what, what's been interesting this summer, because normally, if you think about clubs recently, Middlesbrough, they got they went up, they came down, they didn't do much. Stoke went down, they had parachute payments. Swansea, you know, the first couple of seasons for all those clubs, they were all up. Sunderland, of course, which went straight through to League One. So parachute payments didn't appear to be doing much this season. We've got Watford, Bournemouth and Norwich, all of whom are now, it's very unusual for all three relegated clubs. And, and the reason for that is who would normally sign the players from the clubs that have just been relegated? It's the likes of Palace, Brighton, Burnley and so on. And they've got no money themselves. So yeah. the, the, the clubs which have been relegated, the reason why they've held on to, you know, David Brooks is a cracking player in, in the championship. Uh you know, even some of you know who's the who's the lad that Bournemouth signed from Liverpool who who stank the place Harry out to be scoring goals. Is it Harry Wilson? Or the Liverpool? Uh, Liverpool. The striker Solanke. Solanke, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, right, Solanke's yeah. been looking really good. You know, he might he might have gone to Burnley or a club like mm-hmm. that, but he's not because Burnley haven't got any money themselves. So those clubs who are in the arse end of the Premier League, they've not been signing players as a result of COVID, which has meant that those players have, st- have stayed with the clubs in the Championship, and that's why they've all done so well. I see. And just lastly, I'm picking up on the last of you. So the average wage at Mill is just over £9,000 per week, roughly. How does that compare to the rest of the Championship? Is it similar to, obviously, the way you showed the total expenditure? Is it Would it be in the, in the lower third, roughly, the total wage yeah, or yeah i mean the, the average wage in in the championships around about 16 grand a week so you know millwall is 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 the bottom third you know they 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 they've got a reasonably tight budget they have spent more money you know there, there's no doubt that they've they have backed the manager uh, in terms of recruitment and, and giving some of the players coming through better contracts as well uh, but the the championship is is pretty brutal uh, as a division. I mean, I've heard that you know there's plenty of rumour. I've heard a rumour that the players are on fairly standard low wages, and then it's topped up for other means, um, which yeah. is probably a a general thing within football images or appearances and um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So so pl- players players are highly incentivized. To a to get in the get in the squad because otherwise you know if, if if somebody's paying you you know ten grand a week whether you play or not and and you're not that asked to begin with then why put in the effort so it, it is incentivised a appearance bonuses clearly but goal bonuses assist bonuses clean sheet bonuses you name it they'll, they'll uh, and get into the playoffs or get promoted um, the the average. Uh, if we look at the clubs that have gone up in, in the past two or three years, they've been paying between 10 to 12 million pounds in bonuses to the squad uh, on, on the back of being promoted. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand that completely. So your overall professional opinion on the Millwall figures are, what well, they seem okay, to be fair. We just pretty much um, nothing to see here, same as normal. Well, the, the, l- losing ten million pounds in a year is is scary. Uh, COVID a, has not helped. So, do you? The second part of this year is going to be the first part of next year is going to be the painful bit for Millwall, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this season, I suspect those losses will increase because 
you can add another the club's going to lose another four to five million of gate receipts um so i'd expect the losses to be higher for 2020-21 that that's on the basis that we're not going to get any realistic crowds returning over the course of this season i mean there's 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 been speculation and media statements and stuff that jb's putting in about a million pound a month at the minute to the club um, to make sure, obviously, the players, because the players haven't been on furlough, so they've yeah. been getting their money every every month. So, uh, so yeah, but I suppose... And, 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 that, and that's good, because yeah. you look at Sheffield Wednesday, whose players are not being paid on time. You know, the stories are true. And their results... I, I know they've had a points deduction as well, but they've had a change of manager. Um, and, and, yeah, that they've, they've not really performed. I suppose... Before we end this, I suppose it's one thing what's come up with COVID. We started on it with obviously COVID and new strain and everything else. Obviously, Millwall today announced that their next two games um, have been rescheduled because of COVID. Do you think there's a possibility that football might get cancelled because of um, the way that the country's going with COVID at the minute? Um, and the fact that, you know, the likes of Mayor Omar can't travel up the other end of the country, but, you know, Millwall can take, or any other football team for that, Brighton, Norwich, whoever can take 50, 100, 100 people to different parts of town, stay in hotels, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I, I did some work with the, uh, the Dutch FA and they, they, they were talking about matches just stopping. But, uh, and, and if this, this new strain is as contagious as it appears to be, and then it starts accelerating, there'll be so many players who have COVID that you'll simply have to be abandoning matches left, right and centre. And if you've got three or four matches each week being cancelled, it makes a complete mockery because you can end up with one club having played six or seven games more than another and the tables look just ludicrous. I mean, we got we're lucky. It's this time of Christmas where we've only really going to miss two games. So we're missing Bournemouth and and Watford. But again, I suppose it's you don't know whether or not more people get it and and how much it'll bring your team down, and then obviously where it goes from there. Um, yeah. But there does seem to be more and more teams being hit at the moment, and 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 I think a lot of that is is that most of the clubs had stopped testing, hadn't they? because it was just financially too expensive. I mean, for, for the Championship and League One, I think it, League One, two cancelled, stopped testing a while back. Championship, I think, test, stopped testing a while back because it was costing them 10 grand a week. Yeah, yeah. And you, you need to get the results. Um, and it could be that the government, you know, they, they decide to go and pipe in and say, well, football can only take place if you do get tested. And then the clubs say to themselves, well, yeah, especially if you are in League One and League Two, it's, it's not worth your while. Now, I, was, I was talking to a League One club owner last week and, and he'd said if they'd known that there was going to be no crowds... If you go back to August, mm. everybody thought we were going to get crowds coming back. And, you know, we, we'd be, if you're in League One and League Two, even if you're at a third of capacity of the ground, if you've got a ground with a capacity of 12,000, you're probably only getting it. Uh, four to five thousand turning up each week so they, they weren't too bothered and when the government did that huge u-turn and said right, project restart we'll have some pilot patches Every, everybody was positive and then they realized that they'd made a complete foul up of, of the whole thing 
um, the, the club owner said, if we'd taken a vote, say, on, on the knowledge that we were not having crowds back this season, we would have simply said, let's let's just bin the league. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Well, look, I think let's bring this um, to a close. Obviously, you are very kind to come on. Um, I know you've got connections to Millwall with one of your old family members, haven't you? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm from the Elephant myself. Uh, yeah, your Terry was a big Millwall fan, uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of affection for the club. Which is and, good, and, which and hopefully can... you'll, you'll we'll give you back Jason Malombi for the second half of the season. Yes, please. So he, was on the, he was on the bench for us uh, yesterday. <laughs> well, we're hearing rumours um, for a few journalist pals who um, think that we're already talking to him. So uh, yeah. hopefully he'll be back because I, I don't think he's going to get first team football with you at the minute. But I don't think you need to get rid of because you've just had that. You've just had that same um, position come back from Boca Juniors, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, Boca... yeah, McAllister, and yeah, we, and he's we, a cracking we, player. Yeah, we're 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 packed with midfield players. Mm. Uh, you know, Malombi was excellent for you last season, and it, I think as part of his development, he needs to get first team football. Obviously, while you're only doing us a favour coming on to talk about this, we might as well give your show a plug. If you've not listened to it, it's Price of Football. Search that in your podcast uh, provider or follow them on Twitter. So what you got coming up this week in your show? Uh, well, this, this week's show, we're just doing the fact that the Premier League have renewed their TV deal in the Middle East, which has really pissed off Newcastle because it's based in Qatar. Uh, we've got uh, Stevenage uh, being sponsored by Stevenage women's team being sponsored by Burger Queen, That's and we've got brilliant. about ten just just lunatic stuff. Uh, and, and there's always stuff about Derby and Sheffield Wednesday because they're they're always up to yeah you know, they're either not paying the wages or they're in an argument with the EFL. Uh, so so we do we do two shows a week. We're looking we're looking forward to the day when we can pack it in. Because then there's then then there's no, then there's nothing going wrong. There's there's no more wrongans left in football. Yeah, that never but, happened. But but, but sadly, it, it's we, we, we're actually too busy. I have but, to say, uh, the Stevenage deal is fantastic. Um, and if there's still any available, I would highly recommend people buying the Stevenage ladies shirt with the Burger Queen logo on the front. Because in years to come. That shirt is going to be worth a fortune. Am I right in believing that Burger King in Stevenage is changing the branding to Burger Queen? You 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 could be right. I know that I know Burger King sponsor the men's team. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think all, all publicity is good publicity for things like that. So it so it makes sense. I heard the commercial. I think it was a commercial guy from Stevenage or one of the guys from Stevenage talking, and I, and I. I you know, briefly heard that you sort of missed the beginning bit and then here that allegedly, yeah, they're going to change the Burger King in Stevenage, which is right near the ground, isn't it, I think? Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're changing that. I don't know if it's temporary or not to, to Burger Queen, but you know what? Women's football needs big-name sponsors to, to draw attention to them. Love women's football or hate it, it does need input into it. And and that's quite a savvy move by Burger King and 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 a club you know, a lower league club like Stevenage. It's a big yeah. game for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, they, they did well to get Burger King in the first place for the men's team. And this, this, yeah, the fact that we're talking about it, because when was the last time you talked, spoke about the sponsor of a women's football team? So, you know, it, it, it increases the profile. Uh, yeah, we, we do, we do 
two two shows a week now. Myself and Kevin Day, so he's a Palace fan. So yeah. difficult you know, to know which of us hates Palace more. That is it. So did you know Kevin before you done this, or did you? Because no. you obviously were Twitter first, weren't you? Yeah, you yeah. Do no, I, 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 I do quite a lot of work for BBC, Talk Sport, the newspapers, and so on. I'm just you know, just on this this numbers shite. Uh, and one of the BBC producers said, "BBC won't do it as a show." but he fancied running it for himself. Yeah. And would, would I come on and do it? And I said, yes, but nobody's listened to me, you know, talking about my spreadsheets and all that type of shit. Uh, we, we need to make it a bit more relaxed. And Kevin Day is absolutely brilliant because he this... is the man in the pub asking the questions you'd ask down the pub. Definitely. I mean, those, those listeners who can, you know, who are maybe too young to know, but Kevin was a, a very witty comedian anyway, wasn't he? Um, or yeah, is yeah. a very, oh, yeah, not was, very not was, sorry, Kev, not was, um, <laughs> is a, a very dry, witty, um, you know, one-liner comedian anyway. So it works so well with you two. Um, yeah, he, he just takes a nice, easy lesson. Yeah, yeah, and it's a nice, easy lesson. So look, if you, if you want to check out the show notes, um, we'll give you all the links to Kieran and Kev's, podcast all their socials will be on there and again if you've got anything um questions relating to the accounts or football finances in any way uh get in touch with them i think it's the your email address is questions at priceoffootball.com yeah yeah um yeah. you can ask them but if you want to get in touch with us leave us a review you can do that too our email account is that mill podcast at gmail.com or crack us up on the socials um i think that's pretty much all we got for now, Omar. It is indeed. Thank you to Kieran for coming on today. Much appreciated. Great insight. Well, thanks for the invite, boys. Uh, I much appreciate it. Always. Thanks very much. We'll be back. Um, there's a show out on Wednesday with Darren Ward. Other than that, we'll probably be back after Christmas Day. Um, so enjoy the turkey. Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much beer. And remember, Millwall will be back soon. Just to fact check my Kent presenter, co-presenter, Mickey Simpson, we've actually got Darren Ward on this Thursday, so it won't be out on Wednesday for you guys, because obviously we've had this one out today, but if you want to see that sooner, be sure to let us know, we might be able to twist our arms a little bit and lay out sooner for you guys, but a great interview is coming on Thursday with Darren Ward, he opens the lid on a lot of story to do with Fia Pafitis, goes into detail obviously about how he left the club in his first spell and obviously how he came about coming back in the second spell as well as great stories about Dennis Wise. I think it's a really great lesson. So if you're looking forward to that, be sure to let us know. We can't wait to release it for you guys. It was a great interview and yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone.
takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car, like cooking, but without the frozen dinner easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as Oma's Rouladen, to cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. <laughs> Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. <laughs> Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.